Hey there, welcome to How to Write a Novel, back on my precious, precious beach. The weather is definitely starting to pick up in BC. I'm glad that I, uh, that's where it's good not to have infinite resources, so I couldn't bail out two or three weeks ago when uh, the darkness and the rain was destroying my brain. If I could have flown out of this city that night, I would have done it. <laughs> but since I had to hang on, now things are way better. So I'm rededicating myself to this idea of recording an audio version of my last book, my book about the game The Last of Us. Because I've been recording on this beach and uh, it's super cool, but just judging by going by the numbers on my phone, you know, I've got it in landscape mode and a relatively big font just so it's easy to read while I'm trying to record it. So it's about 2,000 pages in that format. You know, the actual book is not obviously 2,000 pages, but in that format it is. And I'm up to page 750 or so. So I'm not halfway. And uh, now that the weather's better, I mean, theoretically this should go faster. I won't have these long stretches where the weather is just awful and I can't record anything. But everything is slower than you think it's gonna be. Everything takes, I kind of find honestly that if you try to gauge the longest you think something will take, like this is the absolute longest it's gonna take. And then if you double that, then you're somewhere in the ballpark of how long it really takes. And granted, I'm not fast. Speed is not my thing. I'm not uh, interested in the speed of output so much as the quality of output. So maybe it's not that slow for everybody, but uh, I mean, I still think it seems like a pretty universal thing that everything takes longer than you think. So I don't know, now that it's becoming summer, I do kind of want to go to Montreal and I do kind of want to go to Toronto. It's going to be kind of a bummer to get there as the weather's getting cold again, but but I think I'm gonna hang on to the West Coast till I get this fucking thing done, because I want to do it. I want to have a cool audio-video version of that book. Anyway, for today's ramble, let's go back to the ever-fascinating topic of the Fearless series by Francine Pascal. So, Fearless is this series of teen sort of espionage books about this girl who her dad is like a CIA dude and she was born without the ability to feel fear. And I got this thing at a thrift store and I was initially really kind of drawn to it because of that initial premise. It was really kind of badass. Like this chick is a real fucking bruiser. She's a real dick. And I really liked that. I found it really appealing. But that just that idea throughout the first book just keeps eroding. The idea that she doesn't feel fear just uh, doesn't really play into things that much. And it informs her character less and less as things just kind of... Like as the pressure of generic teen bookery pushes down on, on the book, she just becomes more and more of a normal teen protagonist doing normal teen book bullshit. And then at the start of book two, it's clearly ghostwriter time. Like, the tone is very different. A lot younger feeling, more juvenile, 
a lot of just talk about how much she loves donuts. Like in the very first chapter, she's just like walking through Manhattan and she's like, oh, I'm gonna go get those donuts that I love. Man, I love donuts. There's an entire paragraph that consists only of the word yum. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, like book one, you know, it had its problems, but at least it had a kind of core attitude that was kind of like punk rock, cool, badass chick. Like that movie Debs. <laughs> it reminded me of that. Book two is just dumb. And I'm like, well, I guess this will save me from reading the entire 36 book series. Like, whoever ghost wrote book two didn't get the memo about how, you know, like crank down the stupidness a bit more than this, you know? Like, it's just really silly. Like, it really feels like a book for like 10 year olds. So uh, I think that's a little more than I can fight my way through. At least with book one, like there was cool stuff in it that I enjoyed. I was kind of willing to put up with the stuff I didn't like because there was all this stuff that I did like. Cool, edgy, late 90s teen nonsense. I'm all about that shit, but yeah, it's uh, getting bad fast. But what I wanted to talk about was the end of book one. I was talking about the idea of melodrama, specifically in relation to this, this fucking book. And how melodrama is basically just unearned tension, unearned conflict, unearned drama. And I was wondering, like, what is the deal with that? Do people like this? Like, what is this all about? Because I had a couple other thoughts about that, but this gets into the extremely squirrely territory of trying to, uh, make presumptions about other people and how their minds work and how they think, which, uh, is probably a quick fucking yank the wheel to the right, the goddamn hatchback flies off the cliff, everything explodes, because cause obviously I don't really know what I'm talking about. But with this book and with melodrama in general, it's like a lot of times it's like this amped up drama, this amped up sense of conflict that just doesn't really fit with actual reality, you know? <laughs> like. In the case of this book, there's this, this dumb bitch character who's just the dumb bitch of the story. And she's in the hospital at the end and the main character's trying to like, hey, I'm sorry that uh, I didn't protect you better. And she's just like, get out. I don't want to talk to you. Fuck you. What part of fuck you don't you understand? Fuck off. <laughs> you know? Without the charming swearing. And she's just like such a cartoon character. It's just so absurd. And at the same time, the super bitch's boyfriend is kind of in love with the protagonist and then it's the whole like, oh, I really like that girl, but I'm already dating the super bitch, so I mean, I guess this will just have to be the thing that happens. Even though I can't help, like, touch the protagonist girl's hair and, like, kiss her wounds and, oh, it feels so good to be with her, but I'm already with this other chick. And, like, it's all just so contrived and so bad, <laughs> you know? To the point that, like, it was hard for me to read. It's hard for me to even focus on. I would read, like, half a page and just be like, uh, I gotta put this down because I just feel so uncomfortable. And not just because of the direct events of the story, but because of, like, what does this say about you, Francine Pascal? Like, what does this suggest about the person who writes these things, you know, who writes this way, who writes this kind of stuff? 
And I feel that way a lot, like with movies, like when there's a big dramatic scene in a movie and someone's like having a big emotional moment. It's hard for me to watch it. Like a lot of times I'll literally just avert my eyes from the screen because it's like I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this weird, syrupy, fake, overblown version of what emotions are like and what relationships are like and what fucking life is like. I really don't like it. It really makes me feel uncomfortable. And I gotta presume that I'm in the minority because if I wasn't, then things wouldn't be this way, right? Like, that's what I was thinking about melodrama is like that question of like, who likes this? Why do people do this? But the answer's gotta be that they don't mean to, right? Like, even if the target audience is like a teen audience, and even if if you're a bad writer and you're going into something with the uh, idea that writing for younger people means you can write it worse and write it bad, shame on you. But even if that's what you're thinking, like, that still wouldn't explain how these things are so whacked out feeling and just so bizarre. Like, at the end of this Fearless book, the way this fucking guy in this story, like, the whole romance thing with him was built up out of nowhere in this really awkward way. And he goes within, like, from page to page of, like, oh, I love her so much. Oh, man, but I hate her because she didn't help my bitchy girlfriend. Oh, but, man, I really love her. And it's, like, this is insane. This is, like, what an insane person would act like. This is how an insane person would feel. But at the same time, that, like, this is kind of common. Like, it's not unusual for stories, movies of all stripe, to have these weird-feeling moments in this melodrama that I just am, like, fed up with, and I just am like, ugh, I don't like it. But it's got to be here because this is how other people feel, right? Like, this is what they think is a natural way to be. This is what they think is a, a reasonable expression of emotions and of relationships. And I think one reason I don't feel that way is I was talking about how, like, when I read about borderline personality disorder and uh, how that's just a really bad term, but the term I couldn't think of at the time was emotional intensity disorder, which is a way better description of, like, you feel things way too strongly. And that's only a part of BPD. Like, there's also the idea of splitting, of, like, black and white thinking, of, like, this is how it is and I can't see any other way. And yeah, reading about this, I'm like, you know, I do kind of identify with a lot of this. I think there's uh, a lot to be learned by studying about this. But this idea of emotional intensity disorder, I thought that was really interesting to learn about because it seems like it explains a lot, like how I just couldn't stand going to public school. I couldn't stand it. Just the normal, what other people consider a normal level of pressure to go to a school and to have to sit still and pay attention and conform to this group dynamic and it's just like sometimes I can pull it off sometimes I can fucking do the dance but it takes a lot out of me and it just I can't do it consistently I can't live that way you know like that's the kind of thing I can fight my way through but then I gotta take a big break it's like oh I made it through that thank god not like oh I like this I like how this feels this is how I want my life to be all the time and I'm sure I've gotten into a lot of arguments with people in the past because, yeah, like, they don't understand why something is stepping on my toes. They don't understand why 
their fucking wacky behavior <laughs> is driving me nuts when to them it's just normal and maybe that ties in too to this idea of like not wanting to look at the screen when I see these big blown out emotional moments that I don't feel like are earned and that uh, the dots don't really connect and it's just like ugh, <laughs> you know? and it just like it just means so much more than just this moment. It's like, God, is this really how it is? Is this how people are? Is this how society is? This is what they think is normal? It seems interesting that like an average person, a normal person, quote unquote, you know, whatever the fuck that means, that they can so easily absorb these, like what feels to me like a sledgehammer of emotion. And like maybe this is that heightened emotional intensity feeling, you know, like if lesser amounts of stimulus can really hit me and seem significant to me, if a small amount can go a long way, what's the other side of that coin? I mean, I guess it makes sense to just take what is most common and take that as the norm. But I just, I just I can't really see it that way, you know? I just, I really don't think I'm that weird, even if it's not quite the same as everyone else. So I can't help thinking about it the other way. Like, like are these people kind of emotionally dead inside? <laughs> like, where, where are their receptors, you know? Why do they need to have emotion presented so strongly that to me it seems ridiculous you know like I'm reading this story and I'm like wow how is this character just this much of a dumb asshole for no reason that's ever explained or that will ever be explained or investigated like that's not gonna be part of the story like why is this character like this it's just taken for granted that oh yeah sure this person is just a complete fucking enormous asshole and that's just okay that's just acceptable and then this little romance thing of like oh i love her i hate her i love her i hate her fucking did like i really can't help but look at it the other way like maybe my receptors aren't too sensitive maybe most people's are too insensitive like it just seems so What's a kinder term for boneheaded, <laughs> you know? Like, it just seems so... so crude and so simple of just... Why does something need to be presented in this big, sledgehammery way just to get through to people, just to seem visible and digestible to a normal person, you know? Is that really better? Is that really how you want to be? I don't know. I mean, I guess to just fit in, to just be part of society. Like, one reason I like to be on this beach where nobody is, is like uh, recording my little audiobook thing that I'm recording down here. I'm really trying harder to get good audio quality. So, I mean, I complain sometimes on this podcast about uh, little mouth snaps and weird noises that happen when your mouth isn't properly hydrated. And I edit them out of this podcast when I can, but sometimes I just can't. That's just, just how it is that day. But I don't really care, because I'm just doing one of these every day. 
Whereas when I'm recording the audiobook thing, I really, like, I'll retake a line. I'll say it again just to make sure that that little snap doesn't happen. And sometimes it's just, like, maddening. It just is, like, happening, and I just can't get it to stop. And since I'm just on a beach all by myself, I mean, I've had some times where I'm just yelling at nothing, just yelling at no one. It's like uh, Tears for Fears, this fucking, what do they call that shit? Scream therapy or something? It's like, I just gotta get this out, this frustration. Because, man, I feel shit a lot. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it big time. I feel it more than I can fucking contain. So I guess you could argue that maybe it'd be better not to be like that, but I just... When the alternative seems to be to be unreceptive, you know? Or like I've known people in my life that it's like there's just no explaining to them why I feel a certain way about something. They're just never gonna understand. They're just... It's like their, their radar dish is just... It's just not working, <laughs> you know? And I mean, it's weird, I guess, to pick a side because it's not like I really have an option. But in a way, there is an option. I mean, you can change or you can sort of train yourself to not to be different entirely, but to be somewhat different, to behave somewhat different. You know, you can make improvements, but it's just not a place where I want to make an improvement. Like, I don't want to be like that. Even if things hit me too hard and I feel it too much or whatever. And sometimes that makes me a fucking spaz that just shames myself <laughs> in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of the public for losing my fucking shit. I'll still take it, you know? It still seems better. It seems better than the alternative. You know, I guess hopefully I can learn, and I have learned from, I mean, compared to being a little kid, like I've learned how to regulate myself better and how to navigate these waters better. But I don't want the feelings to go away, you know? Maybe I can learn to deal with them better. But just because it would be easier to fit into the world if I was a more emotionally deadened person as the average person seems to be like again I'm just talking about something I can never really know I can never really understand but just based on what I'm seeing you know and you watch an average movie you read an average book and it's just like a bunch of goddamn clowns flopping around just being absurd <laughs> and it's like is that what you need is that what you need to identify with this? Is that what you need to feel what you're supposed to feel? Because it just blows my sensors out. It's just way too much and I'm just out. I'm just out. I'm like, this is fucking dumb. This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is too much. And it just takes me out of whatever the work is, whatever the scene is, whatever the moment is. It just makes me think about the person who made it and and not in a kind way. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Why did you make it like this? <laughs> you know, what the fuck? And I guess that's kind of the sort of conclusion that I was coming to or was floating around in my mind. I mean, this is all an ongoing process, but uh, obviously, like, there's no question that all of this stuff is evidence that I'm, like, unusual, you know? It's like, okay, I could see how I act this way, other people don't act this way. And I think that's like an interesting thing to look into and to know about and I think you're in, only in real trouble if you don't know how weird you are, if you're not able to recognize it. But then that's what I think is kind of the 
ultimate weirdness with just mainstream people, with general people, is I think they're just as crazy. I mean, reading these things, like reading this end of this book and these weird histrionics and this fucking emotions that go from this to that to this to that, as though this is a normal thing, as though this is a relatable situation. And it's like, dude, you're crazy. Like, if you think this is normal, if you think this is relatable, you're fucking nuts. And that's what I thought was kind of interesting to sort of contemplate is like all these normal people, quote unquote, all these people that are sort of statistically similar to everyone else, they're fucking crazy. They're just as crazy as everybody else. Like we're all these weird biological beings. We're fucking baking soda and vinegar, just frothing up and fucking filled with Juffo up and just fucking going nuts. We're just crazy fucks. But when you're the same kind of crazy fuck as 99% of the other people around you, it's easy to act like you're not a crazy fuck. It's easy to act like you're not this bizarre biological machine run by these impulses that you can't hope to fucking ever understand. You're fucking crazy. You're doing crazy shit. You're running around the world being a fucking nutbag. But you don't know it because everybody else is the same kind of crazy as you. And that's such a weird kind of feeling of like, I'm not necessarily more whacked out than anybody else. I just kind of find it easier to notice because it's like a dark smudge against a, a light background. You know, it stands out. Where if you're a light smudge on a light background, you're just part of the background, you know? I know this is fucking individuality 101 fucking... 17 years old era philosophizing, but I mean, hey, I'm not reading the Fearless book by accident. <laughs> you know, I love this shit. I love the kind of adolescent mindset of like that, that age where you're still questioning and you're still looking for answers and you're still trying to find your place in the world. I mean, I expect I will still be more or less like this when I'm 80 years old. Like, the idea of growing up and maturity and whatever just being a process of losing, you know, your, uh, your curiosity about this stuff. Like, I don't, I don't think it's juvenile to question these things and to, you know, to do the philosophy 101, you know, to, to question the whole thing. Like, what, what is this? Why are we here? We're going to die someday. How fucked up is that? All this stuff. Like, if it is juvenile, then uh, I'll be happy to stay juvenile forever. But anyway, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking how, how utterly bizarre normal stuff is, <laughs> you know? Just normal everyday stuff that normal everyday people can uh, easily digest and relate to. It's fucking crazy. It's so fucking crazy. And they have no idea. They have no fucking idea. And I don't know, I guess I'm just glad to know how crazy I am. I'm glad to know, <laughs> you know, to have some kind of handle. I mean, there's obviously big limits to how self-aware anybody can be, but man, how weird to just sink into the mass and to just be super fucked up. But when everybody else is super fucked up, you're just like, well, I guess this is normal. This isn't fucked up at all. Surely this type of thing will be uh, handy 
and will inform my book about space aliens that I'm currently writing, because, you know, it's all metaphors, man. So anyway, it's amazing how even when I'm, like, going to do a real short one today, they still end up longish, longer than I expect. So this new chapter I'm writing, I've been lately, because I've been writing a lot of dialogue, it's been a real, it's been really difficult of, like, gathering together all my ideas for the conversations and splitting them into different pieces and parts and going through various different drafts and all this stuff. Because I like writing dialogue, but I also, I want it to be not haphazard. (laughs) I don't know, I talked a bit before about how much I like dialogue scenes, but they're different. They're like tougher to write. They're just a lot more complicated, I guess, to summarize, you know, like dialogue's the fastest way, I think, to identify a bad writer is because it's, that's where you're trying to simulate an actual relationship between people. And uh, that's the kind of thing that can really go hollow and feel wrong very easily. Whereas just writing prose, whatever, you can get away with an awful lot of bullshit with that and it, it can be a lot more loose. So what I'm doing with this chapter, because this chapter is about my main character just by herself on this space station, just basically walking and thinking, just having a nice walk and having some nice philosophical thoughts about her place in existence. So I'm going back to how I wrote the very early chapters of this story, as I went through all my notes and I gathered all my notes and I put them in a little folder called notes, so they're all there. But the idea is to not use them. You know, I've got them, I read them yesterday, they're kind of vaguely in my mind. Now I'm just going to write the chapter freehand. I'm just going to, I know basically what's going to happen in this chapter, I'm just going to write it through and see how it goes. And then after I'm done, then I'm going to go back and look at those notes and see if there's anything really neat that I forgot about. And then if so, I'll integrate it in. But yeah, I really feel like the conversational chapters are way more like a puzzle. There are a lot more pieces to fit together. And then despite all that planning, they still like shift and alter radically as I'm writing them. But these walking and thinking chapters, like the whole early part of the book was basically this, before I introduced the little science HR rep guy on the ship who comes and talks to my main character. Before he was introduced, it was basically just her by herself. And those chapters, I find uh, they just work better if I just write them. Here's the blank page. Here's the basic ideas in my brain. Now let's just flow. Let's just flow moment to moment to moment to moment to moment. And then the notes are there as my little uh, backup if I get real stuck somehow. I don't know what to do next. And inevitably there is something in those notes that's cool that I'm like, oh, I forgot about that moment or that little thought. Let's go put that in. So that's the plan for this chapter. A lot more hands-off than the last couple. All right, I guess that's it for today. I'll talk to you tomorrow uh, for today's song of the day. Since I broke out the phrase corrosion of conformity yesterday, which I do, man, I love that. It's such a good term. Let's play a song by the band Corrosion of Conformity, which is, of course, where I learned that phrase. Let's play Clean My Wounds, which is, uh, you know, it just, it's a little bit metal, but not too much. You know, it's got a bit of rocking going on, but not too much. It's just kind of a nice low-key chug just sort of chugs along it's kind of reminiscent of the song helena by the misfits 
Oh wait, what was I thinking? Of course, there's a Lord song called Melodrama. Obviously, I gotta play that. Little two for one. They told me this was melodrama. Alright. Lord, and then not Lord. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow! Psycho high No, you won't remember In the morning when I speak my mind Lights are on and they've gone home But who am I? Oh, how fast the evening passes Cleaning up the champagne glasses We told you this was melodrama Oh, how fast the evening passes Cleaning up the champagne glasses Our only wish is melodrama Oh, how fast the evening passes cleaning up the champagne glasses Tara and Ahara, when we wonder why we bother Drama and the fucking melodrama. Whoa, whoa. All the gunfights and the limelights and the hopefully sick divine nights. Whoa, don't talk about us, all the lovers, how we kiss and kill each other.